Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I've got a new beer, guys. You're joking, aren't you? Eh? You've got a new beer? Elliot's got a new beer. What's it like? Great. I got eight free beers from our friends at Beer 52 and an extra two for being a Borough Breakdown listener. I don't believe you. No, I'm serious. They're the world's largest craft beer club with beers from all over the world. You're joining the monthly club but can cancel at any time. All you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash borough to get your free case now with a four ninety five postage. What? So all you have to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash borough and get a free case and only pay for the packaging. Yeah, that's it, mate. Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Welcome back to the Bora Breakdown podcast. We're live on Red Army Radio and on the podcast apps. Thank you very much for joining us. My name's Johnny. I'm with Dana and Elliot. And well, finally, it's over. The season, the 2019-20 season has finally come to a close where Middlesbrough beat Sheffield Wednesday, one goal to two. And a goal from British Sambolongo, which made it five goals in six games, made him one of the joint top scorers for Bora this season. And well, to say finally it's over and to do our season review podcast, uh, it feels very strange in, in July, um, but we've only got six weeks left till the new season, so let's get cracking. Um, but guys, I'm going to start things off. Uh, I'm going to try and talk about the overview of the season, some transfers, some managers. We'll rate the season. We'll try and put some new transfers in there. We'll pull everything together uh, just to see what we could do for, for next season. So, Dana, I'm going to start off with you. A uh, very simple question. How did it go? How did Borough get it so wrong? Well, I mean, it's quite an obvious answer that I'm probably going to contradict myself uh, with because I know that I was very um, in favour of Woodgate this season, but I think we simply got the, r- the wrong man. Um, plus, everything that I've said before on the podcast about the bad structure around him, that certainly didn't help. Uh, the lack of experience. Um, yes, Woodgate and Keane and Coyne were all... Um, experienced professionals uh, on the pitch but it's a whole different ball game to be uh, a coach and a manager you have to influence things uh, from the sidelines you can't don your boots and um, get on there unless you're Brian Robson and you're the, <laughs> the player manager but um, I think you have to be uh, more tactically as to um, smarter um, in your decision making and unfortunately 
um, as well. Borough have shot themselves in the foot so many times this season. I've got literally a whole list of, of examples that I might delve into uh, later on. But it's just uh, the main point, I think, is that Borough just got the wrong man um, and the wrong structure around him. Else, do you want to add to it? I know, I know Dana mentioned a lot there, but got it, Borough got a wrong manager yeah, appointment. I, anything else? I, th- I think another key thing was the, the squad, really. I think um, we were quite sort of thin on the ground anyway with departures from, from the previous season um, and we only brought in a, an emergency backup goalkeeper um, and then three sort of League One players who didn't really feature um, two of them possibly not even good enough and had to go back out on loan um, so you know couple that with the fact of you know a, a lot of players going into the final year of the contract sort of diminishing performances from a few players as well Um Sort of culminated in the in the season that we've had alongside um, the management aspect, as Diana mentioned. Yeah. Um, when did when did you think that the season was going to go to pot? Did you think after the first few games, or was it like November? I think, December uh, time? I think a key point for me. I was looking at the fixtures earlier, um, and you know August wasn't too bad um, on a whole, to be perfectly honest. Um, we had some okay results. We, you know, we we'd we lost a um, couple with a few decisions went against us. That Brentford game at home, and we were thinking, you know what, it's not too bad. We I think we beat Wigan and we beat Reading at home. Um, but it was when Sheffield came to the Riverside and we were four one down at half time, and I was thinking, this is this is really bad. Um, if you know if Sheffield are going to come here and do it, then what about the likes of Leeds, Fulham, West Brom? Um, and I was quite worried at that stage, and then. It it just progressed like that, and October and November were really bad months for us. Um, I think we put out a podcast. I think sometime around the beginning of December, what was it? Beginning to look a lot like relegation. Um, <laughs> so I think that's when when we kind of knew it was you know it's going to be a tough season. That Sheffield Wednesday game, do you remember? Me and you saw each other um, at half time. We could not believe what we were saying. Honestly, know, yeah. it was it was so bad. And you think what Sheffield Wednesday have done since that? You know, I think they placed maybe a. A position above us. Or? So, so Chef Wednesday were third at Christmas, um, and then they've had relegation form ever since. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, see you later, Gary Monk. Um, <laughs> but I, I think for him, it was. I think he, he has to go. I just hate Gary Monk so much. <laughs> um, but in, on a brighter note, then on a brighter note, have we got any highlights of the season, Dana? Have you got anything in particular that just strikes you as that was a great highlight? Yeah, that comment that somebody put on BBC Tees where they said that Ashley Fletcher couldn't hit a dartboard with a hedgehog <laughs> <laughs> after the uh, after the Huddersfield game. I just thought that comment was gold. But um, in terms of on the pitch, definitely the West Brom game. Um, I wasn't expecting us to do a job on them, and we did. Um, and then for Fletcher to bang that in from near enough the halfway line um, to get the goal of the decade right at the end of the decade, I think that was a, a notable highlight. But to be fair, there's not been many. There's not been many at all. Else, um, I think not just uh, in terms of actual games and single moments. I think one key takeaway from the season is the the young players coming through. Um, Spence, Colson, Pears, Tav um, it is really positive. Um, and, uh, we were talking sort of before we came on air as well about Brown and Bowler um, and about the age of the squad in general. And um, you know, I don't think we have anyone over the age of possibly twenty seven. Is it with, with Brit? Um, so it kind of bodes well for the future, I, I guess. You know, if you come back to what um, we were thinking with Woodgate, and you know the potential he had in that appointment, we kind of have to also think of the here and now as well as the 
um, the future. So we will need in a few bodies around who are a bit more experienced. Um, but nonetheless, you know, a good sort of young squad coming through and it's positive to see it coming from the academy. So. Yeah, I think the highlights for me um, and also how it went wrong and everything like that, I think the highlights for me were Jed and, and uh, Coulson coming through. I think they've been excellent, the pair of them this season. Obviously, Spence had, not Spence, uh, Pez had a, a couple of good games. Pretty sure I think he needs a little bit more work. Um, but I think the, the two young lads coming through of, of Spence and Coulson have been brilliant. Um, obviously, Tav started to come more into his own over the last few games, I thought, which was very, very bright. I thought it was very sharp after, uh, for the restart. Um, but how did Borough get so wrong? I think we'll get getting hired in the first place. Um, don't get me wrong, I was a, I think with with you, Dan, he wasn't my first choice, but you could see if he brought someone else with him um, like with experience, then it might have actually went well. Um, obviously, when you look at the likes of McLaren and Itar, they've worked with the two best coaches in the world, um, or the greatest coaches of all time with Jose and, and Sir Alex Ferguson, and they've had a really good apprenticeship coming into management. Um, but Woodgate got promoted within, Southgate got promoted within. Look, it, 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 was, it doesn't work. <laughs> uh, it shouldn't have worked in the first place, but I could see where he came from. But I think Woodgate just, just got it wrong, even bringing in... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think a key point on that is obviously um, with Southgate and, and Woodgate, they were um, they didn't have much experience coming into it. Um, whereas Karanka had been working as an assistant for quite a few years with Mourinho, and, and the same with McLaren um, with uh, Ferguson. So um, you know, Southgate went straight from just being a player to manager. Uh, Woodgate had a, a scouting role at Liverpool and, and worked for maybe a year, year and a half under Tony Pulis. Probably still not enough as well when you consider, like you say, the, the team he brought in around him. Um, so I'm not kind of averse to bringing in um, someone who's maybe untested as a manager, but you know, to have had experience somewhere else working, you mm. know, as an assistant manager or working with someone else who's been experienced, that that's completely fine for me. But if, you know, if you're just gonna yeah. If we're just going to go down that route, might as well just put just George Friend as the manager. <laughs> don't um, tempt them, don't so. tempt them. <laughs> don't listen to that image. Well, I, I actually said that then. I was like, I wouldn't be surprised if we hired George Friend as head coach next year. And <laughs> it'll, it'll probably come off, to be honest. And that'll add to my next question, really. And the first question is from Abor it again. And yes, we are. Um, I absolutely love that catchphrase. Is this like my favourite thing now? Borrow breakdown <laughs> bingo, isn't it? Um, but what was your favourite banter moment of the season? Obviously, you can't mention a table is lying and I don't want you to mention Warnock on a bike as well so <laughs> well apart from that hedgehog comment um, Dawn probably yeah we've got options Dawn because every time I see Dawn on the um, the pre-match press conferences I have to screenshot it and send it to you on the group chat and it's just fully like <laughs> Dawn <laughs> I just love it and, and uh, there was another one where I was like I don't think she was there in the press conference and he just sat up and he went where's Dawn <laughs> and they're just like oh the whole like Dawn Dawn is the player of the season we'll just give it to Dawn to quote to quote Johnny we'll get um, you've got options there Elliot uh, <laughs> yeah I do I, I, I've picked out I've picked out a few things as as well as Dawn Dawn's a really good one but um, I was just kind of uh, thinking back to some sort of certain moments and things but um, a few that sort of stick out was uh, Marvin Johnson getting sent off against Hull when we were two 0 up and subsequently drawing two all. That was that was pretty banterous, I, I, you know. That was just <laughs> typical Borough. Um, and then the Fulham game as well when Rodak got sent off in the seventeenth minute and we didn't register a shot on target until the ninety second. It's was, always harder against ten men. Uh, it's always harder, <laughs> always harder. Yeah, that, that's what Woodgate will say. Um, and then uh, 
just just obviously Leo as well. Um, we know what he's like, and the endless amounts of times we see him scrapping for the ball and touchline with the opposition coaches. And I think at one point didn't he get didn't he get a ban for a couple yeah, of games, he and he did, had to yeah. had to sit in the stand, which is which is comical. But um, yeah, we all love him for it. Yeah, I think my, my most banterous moment of the season is. Um, Probably all of our misses from two yards out, I think. Just really yeah, there was bad. a lot like, of misses as well. Like yeah. the video we put out um, of just us scoring on goals and missing. I was like, oh, wow, what a highlight. But in terms of like, I'm probably going to come up to the end of the podcast because I want you to think about it, but I want to have your podcast highlight of the season as well. So we'll come on to that a little bit later on. But we'll chat about managers first um, before we move into transfers. Um, Johnny Woodgate, how did he get it? so wrong um, I know how did Borough get it so wrong because it was more of like an open question as to the club side of things but what, what? how did Borough get it so wrong Was did he shoot himself in the foot or was he dealt a bad hand uh, do you think it was a mixture of both Dana mm, I'm going to go on with something a little bit out of the box um, in terms of off the pitch and from the get go some people just weren't sold on on Woodgate for whatever reason I think his PR talk was baffling at times Obviously, the table is lying. Comment is, I mean, even the press in in that in the press box were, um, you know, they, they raised their eyebrows at that. And then I think after the Barnsley game, when it was that run of games, it was Wigan, Barnsley, and uh, sorry, Wigan, Luton, and Barnsley. Um, he threw the youngsters under the bus. You know, the same youngsters that essentially kept him in a job uh, over Christmas and the New Year period because of their good performances. Um, he said after the game that you know he's played young players and we're in the bottom three. No, we're in the bottom three because of certain decisions that you've made. And even if it was down to the young players, who's picking them? You are. Yeah. So, like, and after the Leeds game when they thumped us 4-0 at Ellen Road, he just, I was uh, reading through it again. Yeah, yeah, fantastic that, team, yeah. Leeds United. Fantastic. Just praised them. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, we get it. You used to play for Leeds. It's fine. Like, from a Leeds journalist's perspective, that's what they want because that's what gets in the clicks. Mm. But, why don't you talk about your own team? And he, he essentially, instead of um, sending out a message of this is unacceptable, you know, to lose 4-0 and to play like that, he sent out a message of, oh, well, that was okay because it was against Leeds. Yeah. Yeah. I think with, obviously, with Leeds United, uh, Marcelo Bielsa is, if not one of one of the greatest coaches he's, he's, of all time. He's miles ahead of he's Jonathan Wigger. He's absolutely he? amazing. I, I've watched a couple of documentaries on Bielsa and there's a couple of books about him as well and, He's just so determined and just like streets ahead of different managers. Obviously, the, the analysis like, he does is, is second mm, to none. Yeah, yeah, with like Poch and uh, Pep both saying like, yes, he hasn't won the most managers, but the, he's got the biggest trophy at all of in, improving clubs from ground up and improving them to become and go on to better things. So that's probably the best trophy he can ever have as a manager. Um, he's not really a Neely guy, and I think he'll do well with Leeds next year. I think if they're they're a couple of players off um, from probably top ten. Just because of the manager itself, um, but anyway, all right, we'll get enough enough leads. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's pass the question over. You else did he, did he shoot himself in the foot a lot? Was it or was it a bad hand? Or I think it it is a bit of a mix of things. We've talked a lot about still being dealt a bad hand, um, but he was never going to turn down the job. You know, if you offered a job at, at a club you love, uh, um, but it is it's tough. And I think obviously when you're feeling the pressure, again, you you might. Um, do these things and you might look back and think I probably shouldn't have said that and I probably shouldn't have done that um, but that's all a learning curve for him um, but there was a lot of times he did shoot himself in the foot obviously a lot of the PR things as Dana mentioned but um, decisions during games with substitutions um, uh, and uh, that Fulham one was a, a particular one as well 
we, there was a few times during that period between October and um, Christmas where there was red cards either for the other team or for us, and he'd contradict himself. He'd say, uh, he said, you know, it's, it's hard to play and he gets 10 men. And then when we had 10 men, it was, you know, the opposite thing he was saying in, in the press conference. So, um, yeah. And again, we talked about when, when Warnock first came in as well, how he went back to simplicity. Um, and I think Woodgate was trying to overcomplicate things with not a very good team. It's it's all well and good having the philosophy. And I think, you know, everyone wants to see attacking football. I mean, who doesn't, obviously? But... Um, and that was kind of his first spiel when he came in. You know, we're going to play this fast attacking football, high press. But it was never really worked on. It was kind of like, okay, when it isn't working, we're just going to do whatever we can now to win. We'll just give it to Dyke Steele. He'll launch it up front. Hopefully, McNair will get a second ball and McNair's playing right mid all the time somehow. It was just so predictable what we were going to do um, in that first half of the season. Um, we had no out ball at all. Um so yeah, it was it, it was a mix of things, but um, like you say, Warnock coming in, he was still dealt the same hand, but he managed to get better performances out of the players, um, and that's that's the difference in coaching ability. Yeah, that's it. I think when you mentioned there, he was, Warnock was dealt the same hand as, as Woodgate, and still managed to get results. Um, I think Woodgate when he came in said, "I want to play attacking football." I think you're right. Yeah, every, every manager's going to say that. No manager's going to sit down at a press conference and say. I want to play football like Tony Pulis. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. they go, they they want to like try and excite the fans. I think with Pulis, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get like a a hard working team, but it's going to be boring football. Um, it's not going to get you exciting, but you might get the result at the end of the day. And I think you'll get that with Warnock. I think Warnock's football is not sexy, but it's uh it's getting the job done. I think we need that. And I, I don't think Woodgate was dealt a bad hand at all. I think he managed it all wrong. Um, and I think he'll probably admit that himself now when he when he goes into his next manager's uh, position, or if he does, or if he just go back into managing management or go into maybe scouting. Um, it's crazy what a bit of experience can do it in certain scenarios. I think one of the same players, Ronnie Jefferson, uh, Kevin Blackwell, um, they've they've got packs of experience. Just it's just it's so easy for them. You know they came in, they've got teams teams out the shit. In I think I think that's what I'd rather have liked. Though I think I know he wants to excite the fans by saying that and in the originality, but. There has to be a, a trade-off of what you want to play and what you have to play. Yep. Um, and I think by looking at the squad, you, you know, you could have said, you know, ideally we want to get to that in two, three years. But right now we're going to have to play to get results to make sure we get a good position um, to attract better players yep. and then eventually try and get promoted and work it like that. Um, but we were never going to play attacking football with no creative force. We, you know, Tav wasn't really at, at the start of the season. Um, as well and Marcus Brown you know wasn't nothing to shout about so it was like you know we had we had so many midfielders um, and a lot of defenders to be honest as well at the start of the season considering we've got none left now <laughs> um, and then then just Britton Fletch and it was kind of like there was nothing in between that there was nothing um, that we could create um, so it was going to be a work in progress and we, we tried too soon to play a four three three yeah. with a, a sort of high press. So. Yeah, it's it's. I think it comes down to culture. It really does come come down to culture, discipline, having that open voice, and um, creating an identity off the pitches as well as on it. I think what Borough haven't done for many many years is set a, a defining culture which goes from the top all the way down to the bottom. Um, and if we are looking to, I think I said it in in one of our emails to our newsletter yesterday, it was more or less of what Borough have to do now and in, in the next following few years is to create an identity off the pitch first before we create an identity on it and that's that's from right from the very top have honesty having an open voice which i know doesn't happen at the club and you know and be willing to 
have like determination and have that real top level approach and and be data driven as well i think we, we're not data driven we just we just kind of hit and hope and very, we're a very reactive club at the minute obviously mm. pa- the pandemic pandemic came but obviously the pandemic's a, a bit of a, a crap example but even look from like on the offline side of things borough finally started to engage with the fans in the offline when they never do it in the on in the on season and you just think well that's just reactive they've just seen what we've been doing and just thought okay yeah well they'll do it so we'll start doing it but um look it i can go on about this for hours and i'll probably go on a, bit, a little bit later on in, in the future but i think yeah we'll get in set of culture he didn't set an identity and quite frankly his managerial appointment was a bit of a shambles but in terms of what gibson did i know we've we've give gibson a bit of stick and i think sometimes he deserves it but i'd still have steve gibson in charge out of anyone but yeah, think, 100%, especially yeah. with this time as well i think it's even it's even more it's like even more fitting that gibson still is the man he just needs to be advised um but do you think dan do you think he pulled the trigger at the right time or do you think you should have pulled it a little bit earlier no uh, and when i was looking back again i'm going to con- contradict myself and i'm going to be critical of myself as well because i'll hold my hands up and admit that i got it wrong what <laughs> I, I got it wrong in regards to woodgate but um that was mainly because i just wanted i, I just hoped more than anything that it would it would become a, a good success but it didn't yeah um but looking back through the results uh, which was a pain by the way um <laughs> I think he should have gone after the Luton game. Yeah. Because ugh, that stretch of games was so important to basically say, right, we do not deserve to be around these teams. Mm. And I think at that point, Luton had shipped the most away goals in the division with 41. Yeah. We didn't, didn't muster, have a shot on target, yeah, did we? Yeah, we didn't muster a single shot on target. We, we had hospitality for that game, didn't we? Um, yeah. Well, I'm so I glad we so did. I was so glad I was pissed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what Elliot was after about one. Oh, I was gutted I couldn't go down to a concourse. <laughs> no, you, you should have just went back in the in the uh, hospitality section and started knocking another bottle of wine. You had an awful oh, bottle well, of red, I, didn't you? Oh well, yeah. Well, I was. He uh, home, didn't he? Yeah. Well, yeah. It was. It, it's good. It's it's good. Um, waiting for half time, to be honest. When when it's during the games like that, yeah. especially when the drinks free anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, whatever we had to eat, it was better than anything that Boris served up on that pitch because I couldn't believe how bad we were. Yeah. It was comfortable for Lewin, completely comfortable. And for me, after that game, especially after the Wigan game as well, he should have probably left after that game, I think. Wigan was 2-2 and obviously, yeah, we, we should have picked up something there. But Wigan obviously start on that start that really good run and one defeat in 15 and still relegated because of uh, the really mm. crappy owners. But yeah. else, uh, obviously... I don't really want to repeat the the pull the trigger question, but Warnock came in straight away, which was a bit of a surprise, I think. And do you think what what did what did um, Neil Warnock do that Woodgate couldn't with the same players? Was it would you say is the basics or yeah he he done less um, essentially he went back to what the strengths of the squad are, and I don't think it's any sort of anything profound in it that it was you know particular strengths that the squad have it was just we need to play um efficient football we don't have anyone who's really any good um or skillful um for that matter like we we don't in honesty tav, tav has that sort roberts. Of, tav and roberts possibly yeah um so it was kind of like okay we'll use them as our two outlets um and other than that it's going to be a case of um being more physical um and just trying to, almost like like you say, what Pulis does, what Allardyce used to do a lot, win the second balls, be effective at set pieces. Um, you know, don't try and play you out of trouble because um, it's very risky. Yep. Um, you know, just just if if you need to get it out, just just hoof it long. Um, 
And but you know it, it does work, and it works down to the bottom levels of football. It can work in the championship, and it works down to you know amateur football and and semi professional as well. Um, because ultimately, if you you know if you don't have the um, technique and the and the skill to play a certain way, then you you need to just play at your strengths. Which you know they're all athletes at the end of the day. Um, they'll all be fit. Um, a lot of them are, they'll be fast. A lot faster than than most of us would be anyway. So. Um, yeah, I think he just went back to the basics and and just said, you know, we need to do this, this, and this. Obviously, drilled them a lot in training, done certain um, routines which they've been doing for years, um, and said these are the scenarios that are probably going to come up in the game, and we need to make sure we win each of those scenarios, and we'll we'll come out on top. And um, yeah, it, it worked, and and four wins out of of eight is is a pretty good return, <laughs> and all the way from home. Yeah. I yeah, think, I think as well as that though, just I don't know it sounds daft, but I think him simply being there was a boost because he's got the record, he's been around the game for a while, and I think just having that experienced figure to lead the players was a boost in itself. It's almost like yeah, that, a bit of that a mental thing for the players. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, he couldn't start out of home form, but I don't even think Jesus could at this point. There's only time, there's only honest. one Spanish prince that could do that, <laughs> and he's going to Birmingham, which is just an absolute nightmare. Oh, that's going to be it a makes disaster. me sad. Yeah, man. I was makes I was, me sad. I was speaking um, to James from uh, the uh, Birmingham Fan TV um, podcast um, on Thursday. He was asking me a lot about Karanka, and um, he kept going with questions. And he said, "I promise this is the last one." I said, "No, keep going. I, I, I could <laughs> I could talk about Karanka all night." I was like, "There's plenty of stories I could bring you about Karanka." And, um, he found it very useful anyway, and it, you know he found out a lot, just not about Karanka, but about um, those two sort of years, really, um, those two main promotion years. So um, I said, you know, I'm I'm fairly jealous of it all, but I think you know it would never really happen in him coming back here anyway. But um, nonetheless, it could be a good appointment for Birmingham, um, and he's wanting the assurances of a, of a project, as he always says with with things. So. Yeah. Okay, well, let's move on. Let's chat about transfers then. I know we we mentioned about you know we're getting the same, uh, we're getting more of the players than what we'll get did. Um, so let's start from right at the beginning of the season. We've got a question from Simon as well. Um, Marcus Brown, Mejias, Dykstiel, Bowler, start of the season. Do you see any of them playing a part next year? And do you think they're a bit of a weird sand as well? Obviously, a third choice goalkeeper, a couple of defenders. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Po- po- yeah, possibly. I think it was. All we could probably pull off in the end. I, I think we probably did go for a lot more targets, and I think I remember Woodgate saying he did want one or two more in. Um, you know, four for a summer anyway is is quite low. Shocking. Um, really? Yeah, yeah, um, and yeah, like you say, it was it was one of those. They were all quite low risk. There wasn't a lot of money spent, and we didn't really have it, or not so we thought anyway. Um, so I mean, in terms of for next season, I think Dykesdale. Yes, I think he showed glimpses this season that he's, you know, capable at this level. Um, and with his age and you know our serious lack of squad depth, I, th- I think he'd definitely be um, a useful squad member. Um, with Brown and and Baller, I think um, they're a little different. I think you have to give them a go. I think they've you know they didn't cut it last season. They've been out on loan. Brown in particular, more than Baller, he's featured mm. I think eleven times, four goals, four assists. Um, almost came up himself with what uh, Oxford um, whilst on loan. Bowler not quite as good. He's only had five appearances for Blackpool, but um, yeah, I, th- I think give them a go uh, again. You, you might as well give them a go over pre-season. They could, you know, tell them you know give it your all again. Um, you've you've been out and you've got some more football under your belt again. 
it's it's worth it's worth a shot, isn't it? But then Mahias, I think he's you know he, he's simply there as the backup. He he'll be there for for cup games, and if there's injuries to the keepers and whatnot, he, yeah, it's it's one of those. I think he'll be um, possibly asking for some sort of coaching things in the background and whatnot. So yeah, definitely. Uh, Dana, um, how would you rate? Well, I was I mentioned Elliot was mentioning there about Dyke Steele. Uh, he came back into the side obviously after a long layoff. How, how would how would you rate his return? I think he's been great to to think he's been out for seven months. Um he came back in for for that Reading game, which was his first start. I appreciate he obviously had that um substitute appearance in the game before, but um I thought he was great and um, you know, he, he does have the potential there, Dyke Steel. It's just unfortunately for pretty much all of Borough, in fact all of Borough's uh, summer signings, they just haven't hit the hit the ground running. But um another point that I'll go on to uh, just quickly is you know I really hope the borough adopt a similar model to Brentford um, in which they'll take players for minimal fees and really progress them. I don't think we've improved players since Adama Troyer under Tony Pulis and then before that, I talk Ranker really did the improving on the core of that team, the likes of Friend, Ayala, Clayton, Ledbetter, and and, and Gib- Ben Gibson as well. I just want us to see. I just want to see us improve players and then, mm. you know, we're not going to challenge for promotion anytime Absolutely, soon. Yeah. So we don't have that carrot of the Premier League to dangle in front of their faces. So whilst that's our reality, you know, we need to be improving and developing players and elevating their I game. I think that's a, a strong selling point as well, isn't yeah, it? If, you, exactly. if you're offering them a, a place to come, like you say, you can't offer them a chance that we might be going up or anything. It's a case of, you know, come here and you can really develop um, and possibly in a year or two we could challenge. But mm. um, it's that case of, uh, I think I was saying to you off air, Johnny, about um, players who we could be looking at still on the right side of, of 25. Um, and Ravel Morrison was one that we got in. Someone who was maybe hyped up to be really good when they were, say, 17, 18, but they haven't quite hit those heights. Could be a lot of good players to go for. Um, yeah. If they're still like twenty two and twenty three, yeah, yeah. I think I was going to say about Marcus Brown, and I'm I'm quite excited to see when if when he comes back and how he he goes into Neil Warnock's plans. If obviously if, if Neil does take the job, I think which is it's pretty certain. But if he doesn't, typical Borough. But it'd be interesting to see what what Marcus does and what Neil Warnock does with him because like Adama, he needed that experience around him. He was really Marcus Brown's a really raw talent. Um, you can see the ability he's got. You could see it when he was playing for Oxford. Yes, League One could be a standard, but having Neil Warnock there, having the experience, obviously you have him with Jepson and and Kitchener, Kitchen Blackwell. You know, I just um, <laughs> it's just uh, it has he has the opportunity there to to really progress. Um, he's got all the talent in the world there. And I think he, sh- he should. I think Borough fans should hopefully give him a second chance next year. But in terms of the January signings, Dana. Lucas Nemecha, Patrick Roberts, Ravel Morrison and Dejan Stojanovic all came in in the January window. Has any of them impressed you at all? If I'm being honest, I forgot that Lucas Nemecha existed. Okay. And he's been on the bench for like the past... Next question. <laughs> no, I tell, you what, I tell you what though, if we look back at this season, which I mean we're not going to forget it in a hurry, um, and we look at the squad, I'll point out Lucas Mecha, and the first thing I'll think about is that video that he posted on Instagram where he's thinking about things. Well, he must <laughs> still be thinking about making an impact at Borough because he hasn't done anything, has he? He's definitely what still thinking that? about it. What is it? What is it like an- uh, what is old and is a ham it's old ham yeah always thinking <laughs> that's the best thing he's done this is a foot that is a ball football yeah we'll kick it then Lucas <laughs> yeah useless son 
Oh, God. But no, going back to the, the question, uh, Robert's probably the only one I'd say. Yeah. Um, Stanovic has had his ups and downs. Ravel Morrison had, I think, three appearances. Three appearances, yeah. For us, yeah. I mean, it, it was always going to be difficult with Ravel I'm Morrison. I'm really upset about Ravel Morrison, you know. Like, mm. I thought, and obviously, I, don't, I think you, I didn't think you'd be like a, a massive fit, but I just thought, if, 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 when he came in, I thought, okay, yeah, this could be a good sign. He's got good, you know, he's came from Manchester United, he's played for Lazio, he's played for West Ham, QBI, with obviously with Neil Warnock at the time as well, so he was, uh, Johnny would get signing, but I thought, yeah, okay, you know, good signing, he could progress, could be, a, he's a free at the end of the season, could, you know, get him in, it just hasn't really materialised, but when I look at Ravel Morrison, I think that, that when you watch him, you see there's so much talent, like there, when you yeah. watch him, you think, oh my God, you've got, you've got everything, you make the game look so easy. I- I don't know if it's it just, just a, it must just be the way he applies himself, um, and, and something we're seeing not not seeing sort of on the training field. Warnock must know that himself if he's already worked with him once. Mm. Um, yeah, it, when he came in, he must have thought, you know, I'll give him a chance, see whether he's changed mm. much, um, and for him not to really, I think, really feature in one of Warnock's games. Um, yeah. What was it? The QPR yeah. game was it? And even then, um, like, <laughs> the whole game. And I think with him, when I look at him as a player, I think Mesut Ozil. Like, Arsenal a little bit um, when Mesut Ozil was at Real Madrid they played through him and I think that's what I mean Morrison, you need, he needs exactly to be the yeah he needs to be the, the key player he needs to be the linchpin you've got, he, you got so. to build a team around him if you don't build a team around him I think he's going to be very subpar and yeah. I wish Ravel probably the best for what he's doing but let's let's move on actually look one one final question go on then El does any any of them uh, of the signings impress you at all uh, did Dejan improve or was it did Demetra you know like was he was he the one for you or no? You knew Gusted. He's still thinking about it. No, yeah, um, no. The match please don't come back to Middlesbrough FC. Um, he's he's an absolute world beater on Football Manager. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what I don't know what they've been. Um, I don't know what they've been reviewing him as, but um, yeah, I, I think Roberts. I agree. Um, he has his moments. He, he still needs to be a little bit more consistent in sort of the final third and, and making the, the right decision um, and maybe making the decision a little bit quicker. Um, but nonetheless, he's he's a good player to have around, I think. Um, and he's one of those as well where, like we said, he's, what is he now, 22 possibly, something like that, um, where he hasn't quite hit those heights of what he was maybe, um, what we were thinking when he was signed when he was like 17, 18. Um, I'd, I'd take him back if we were offered the chance. Uh, and then Stojanovic... It's yeah, it's hit or miss. I, I know we're probably going to come on to the. Well, there's my next question. Else, yeah, ben Strickland, Pears, because Anovich. Ben Strickland absolutely loves Zanzi Pairs. It's like an Zanzi Pairs a fan account, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> sorry, Ben. Uh, just um, look, Pairs or Stanovic, who should you pick if you had to pick one? For me, I'm kind of just. Or Mahias, or Mahias, <laughs> or Mahias. Now I'm a bit neutral on the on the subject of it. I'm just kind of like, yeah, I haven't seen um, an awful lot from both of them. I think that either of them should definitely get it. I think Pears is probably slightly better because he's played more. I've seen more of him this season, you know, even even live as well. I don't know if it's a bit of bias as well for him sort of being a homegrown talent. Yeah. Um, but I think during um, pre-season, you, just, you need to say both of them, look, you, you've both, you both just need to fight for it. You, you're both on sort of equal terms, really, um, and, and fight for the for the number one shirt, um, to be honest, because I, I don't think there's an awful lot in it. Yeah. Of the the butter shirt, um, <laughs> Dana. Listen, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the new shirt to come out and just put that tweet up straight away. Um, look, Dana, Pears Ostjanovic. Pears. 
pairs, pairs, and I'm going to go. I'm just going to go Dejan just for the sake of an argument. Yeah. Um, look, I think normally I, you could have said fence for me, but we'll we'll say Dejan. Yeah. Oh. I might score my hair. Um, <laughs> look, I think I think Dimi. Yeah, I'd have Dimi in goal. I, I'm. I'll go and I missed that today. joke. You used to say it every week. You'd be like Dimi in goal. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go for a solid year, even after he'd left, yeah. and even after we'd spoke to him, it was like right, Dimi in goal. Um, look, I, I think with Stianovic, Stianovic has got some experience there. He's shown glimpses of being a good shot stopper. Um, his distribution could be better. I think Ainsley Pears, what he's got going from, I think Pears' distribution's good. Good shot stopper again. I think what I think when you sometimes need experience, I would go with Dejan. He's had more games than Ainsley. And you know what? Pears is, it, Pears is so young. Like, he could do with another couple of years on loan, and you're not coming into your peak as a goalkeeper until you're about 31. So it's mm. it, he's got plenty of time to develop. Just, I think you just got to be patient with him. And I think what Boris should be doing though is looking for a goalkeeper in the in the in the summer. Uh, I've got a name, Joe Hart. Joe Hart free. I've I've also got Danny Ward at Cardiff. Um, he's on my uh, shopping spree list uh, from Tom Tom Peacock sent us that question. So it's going to come on mm. it in a second. But how many how many signings do you think we need? For, for next season, um, quite a few. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> if you look a lot of squad. It's yeah, a lot more than a lot more than four. Um, last season, you could probably argue a case for eight, nine. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I'll put things into perspective. So, obviously, we've we've seen the likes of Clayton, Shotton, uh, Ayala, jo- Ayala, Johnson's now gone. Rudy. Rudy's gone. Um, we've obviously got a lot of pl- we've got a lot of players that have left. The squad looks quite depleted at the moment, but also we've got Brit, Fletch, Pears, Fry, and House, and all back in one year left on their current deals. Um, so you kind of think, oh, this is a little bit worrying. Um, so it's kind of the questions of where do you think we need to piz- need to strengthen first, or we can ask the question of from Thomas Peacock, what is your summer wish list? Um, we'll go for. Where do you think we need strength in first? And it'd be good to hear what you what your shopping list would look like. Yeah, I, th- I think the the key areas um, for us are definitely centre back. Um, mm. We only have Fry and, and Wood um, there at the moment. Um, I think wingers um, a wide midfield definitely. Um, we have a grand total of zero because um, I, I still think Tav is probably best suited central. Probably even Marcus Brown as well. Um, and then I'll probably look at centre midfield. I know we feel like we're quite well stacked in the area, but I think um, a lot of them don't kind of tick the boxes of, of certain roles in that midfield. I think we need someone who could possibly be a bit more creative and even a holder midfielder. Unless George Shavell tries to take that in his own and plays kind of the deep-lying playmaker as he, as he has towards the end of this, um, I still think we'll need one or two in those um, in those positions. Okay. Oh, I completely agree with that uh, midfield pick. I know that when you look at Borough's squad, the fact that we, we only have one senior uh, centre-back in, in Fry, I know we have Ward as well. Yeah. But um, that midfield for me has been a problem position for quite some time. You know, We've never been creative, and I think that comes from the midfield. Um, at the moment, I think they're just too similar, and mm. there's a lack of mobility, a lack of aggression, a lack of creativity. There's no spark in there, and... I'll give credit to Paddy McNair because he's stepped up with the goals this season, but I still don't feel like it's been enough. Yeah. Um, we need that player that can score goals and create. And, and Absolutely. One of my uh, top, probably the top transfer target for me is, is Alex Moore from Barnsley. Yeah, free agent as well. I think he signed in 
one or they activated a one uh, one year contract extension okay. on his deal, but he's got the experience there with Leeds and with Barnsley. Uh, he's their captain, so it ticks the box of of leadership. Um, in terms of stats, I was just looking. He's got five goals and eight assists this season. Um, eight the eight assists ranks seventh in the league. I think the same as uh, Eze from QPR. Uh, Eighty six key passes ranked eighth in the league for that to put that into context Borough's best is Johnson and McNair on 49 which I think ranks around about 30th 27 28 29 30 whatever something like that so he's you know top 10 for assists top 10 for key passes and I just think he's he would be a perfect sign for Borough in, in midfield um mm. as well as that I think we need an, a number 10 or atta- an, an attacking yeah. midfielder to um to really set it in stone that we have that creative spark in midfield. Yeah, absolutely. I think Alex Moore's a great shout. I didn't think about Alex Moore at all. I think when I watched him when I was at Barnsley away, um, I went with Tom Green and, and, me, and me dad, and it was, uh, we both, we all said it, and Kai, how, how well he played. He just dictated the game that day. Um, but yeah, let's let's chat about your your, your shopping lists and if, if you've yeah, got yeah. some, I've got seventeen players here. I was gonna say I've I haven't picked out quite that many, but I've uh, I've I've looked at a few um, of uh, different names. I know you have one as well, Johnny. So I'm gonna steal it. Um, <laughs> but you've got seventeen, so it's fine. I'll, um, I'll go over mine. Yeah, don't worry. But yeah, uh, some that I picked out uh, four free agents. One's Marcus Henriksen um, from Hull. He is 28, or he will be in a few days, I believe. Um, he joined Bristol City. Happy birthday, Marcus Henriksen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know why I know his birthday. Um, but yeah, uh, so he joined Bristol City on loan in, in January, but he only played four times. Um, he seems to be quite heavily linked with um, moves back to Norway. Um, so I, I don't know if that one could possibly come off, but... Um, it's sort of experience in midfield, um, and it's you know it's a, a low risk signing for for free. Um, I've picked two wingers. Um, one is Jordan Ibe, um, which you have on your list, Johnny. He's uh, he's you know he's out of contract as well at, at Bournemouth. He's still only twenty four. I feel like he's been around forever. Um, but Bournemouth paid Liverpool sixteen mil for him um, once upon a time, and uh, he's just never sort of became a regular with them. He, he's been in and out of the squad. Um, we know he's got quality, but it's one of these where he still hasn't sort of realised that the full yeah. potential. So, um, the other one, again, someone who didn't maybe reach the, sort of the full potential, um, is Juan Iturbe. Um, he used to be at Roma. Um, they paid twenty-two million for him from Hellas Verona. Um, when he was younger, and he was, you know, he he kind of took up the either right back or right mid position for them. Um and you know he didn't quite cut it there and he's been out alone a few times and he's been playing his trade in Mexico in the past year or two, um and even got loaned out from one of the teams in Mexico to a, an even a lower team. So we need wingers. He's going into his prime at twenty seven. It's a free transfer. I don't know if it would be possibly the right move for him. You know he, he's in um his own sort of continent now um on that side of the world and coming back over to England might not be the best move, but. Nonetheless, it's a good good one for free. And then the last one was Mark Stendera, who's just been released from Hanover in the Bundesliga 2. Um, he's played for Frankfurt in the Bundesliga. He's a creative attacking midfielder. He's still only 24. Um, it's a position we're sort of crying out for, as as we've mentioned with centre attacking midfielder. We, you know, we haven't really re- replaced even you know the Lee Tomlins and Gaston Ramirez's of the past. Um, 
I think we we can't go far wrong with with a lot of free agents. We we were speaking off air. There's going to be a lot of them. Lords. There's going to be a lot of them this summer because of the how the market's going to be with clubs having less um, income and revenue over the past few months with COVID. Mm-hmm. So um, there's going to be a lot of loans, um, possibly a view to buy as well. Um, a lot of free agents. So why not? Yeah. Go on then, Dana. Um, well, just just peel off a few. Um, names obviously I mentioned Joe Hart there free agent after leaving Burnley the only issue with him I think would be wages he'd have to take a significant money 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 (laughs) but I mean he could drop down a division to essentially (laughs) (laughs) to essentially resuscitate uh, his career good vocals there Johnny well done Um, not just a pretty face (laughs) the mics have done your wonders there by the way (laughs) put some water tune on it no um, a big name obviously majorly successful with City in England again has that leadership um, qualities in abundance and he could give Borough a big boost you know big name um, sometimes big names make teams um, and especially coming from the back uh, um, Alex Moore like I mentioned Rob Dickey we've been mentioned uh, we've been linked with him Oxford centre back um, obviously we're in need of defensive options um, he was their player of the year um, part of Oxford's playoff season obviously but he is linked with a return to Reading who uh they released him uh, not so long ago, so I don't know whether he would be uh, tempted by a move up north. Um, a couple of unknown names, potentially. I was looking at the uh, Bundesliga, uh, Zvi and Serdar uh, Z- uh, Dersen, I can't speak. Um, Centre forward for Darmstadt, 28, uh, pretty much in his prime. Uh, I was watching some highlights, and I know that very catfish um, <laughs> from the research. The time walking highlight reel. <laughs> yeah. They are the catfish of research tools, but he, he just he see, he's very good with the ball at his feet. Um, he seems to ooze quality in a nonchalant manner, a bit like uh, it was Dimitar Berbatov-esque, actually. Uh, 16 goals for them this season, six assists on, along the way, valued at... Uh, two million on transfer market. Obviously, that's not a, a particularly reliable source, but I just threw that in there anyway. Um, <laughs> Messy three mil. <laughs> <laughs> Sign him up. Um, but yeah, Darmstadt scored uh, forty-eight goals in uh, this season, so reaching sixteen is a pretty good return for low scorers. Mm. Um, Roberto Piccoli uh, of Atalanta. Oh, shout! I like that. And I am not mentioning that just because he leads my line on career mode, although I might be. Uh, but he, he made his uh, Atlanta debut this month, uh, 17 goals in 21 games for the under-19s, um, an intelligent player for his uh, tender age, Porch, uh, a Porcher goal scorer, could be tempted uh, by a long move, and obviously comes from a team that knows how to score. Um, other centre-back options, obviously striker, I don't think is a um, particularly important priority position, I did mention two there, but uh, Rob Dickey, Angus MacDonald um, of Hull, uh, Nabi Saar, who you've also got, uh, Tommy Lockyer as well from Charlton, um, as well as Saar. I think Lockyer, I was reading the other day, he's got a relegation release clause, so he could leave for free. Um, and I'll tell you what, some of the Barnsley players are actually very good. Um, mm. Moore, Woodrow... Yeah. They've got the, the, some good players got there. They've the second youngest team in the championship. I think the first youngest, which I think has uh, been their downfall. No, it's now Middlesbrough. Got the youngest team in the championship. Now with all the players that have left, our average age is 23. I think Barnsley's is 22. Ooh, well, I'm sure I read Op- Opta Jaw. If, um, if I get that wrong, I'm going to blame Opta Jaw. Thanks, Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I quite like some of these signs you've put in there. Actually, I'm, I'm really impressed. But I've got quite a lot of players uh, which I've, I've searched the web for. Um, I'll, I'll go with the, the fees first, and I'll, I'll I'll do actually no. I'll, I'll go. I'll do an eleven of where like where, where they would fit. So 
Um, I'd have the four keepers probably would be next year if I, if if we didn't sell one or get one on loan. But Danny Ward from Cardiff, uh, Welsh international um, on a free this year. Jordan Nobita at left back, um, just been released off Reading. Um, I feel like he's been around for ages, but he's he had a bad injury. But he's he's very very talented. Um, I'd give George Friend an extra year. Um, I know it sounds, sounds crazy thinking that he's he's done, but give him the extra year leave him around the place one more year and just get rid of then. But I'd also see if we could tempt uh, Ben Gibson from Burnley, mm. um, which he's been training with anyway, so he's practically a warrior player. Um, Nabi Sar um, and Dale Fry would be the centre-halves. Obviously, you've got Wood there as well would be the centre-half. And then I wouldn't get a right-back in. I think we're happy with Spence and Dijkstiel. Then we'll move it to midfield. So I'm doing it like a 4-2-3-1 kind of vibe. Um, but I've also got Lewis Wing in there. We've got George Savile. I've see if we can tempt fit with Corey Smith at Bristol City, who was also a free. Alex Garcia, um, who was at Manchester City and Villarreal uh, this year. Um, he's also a free as well. McNair Housen, and I've went with former Borough boy Richie Smallwood, who is a free as well. Uh, I feel like it could be a good sign and bring him back one of the boys, you know, realistic signing, <laughs> uh, which I think Borough might do. Um, Domo Destroyer. Yeah, damn right it is. Uh, it's just a. Uh, but on the right hand side, we'll go Tav, um, Jordan Ibe as well, if we, uh, which I think is a bit unrealistic. I think given where Bournemouth's situation is, I think he could stay or sign an extra extension. Um, Isaac Mbenza uh, at Huddersfield, I think he'd be, he's a fee, of course, but um, he's, he's been there for a couple of years now, and I think he's, he's impressed uh, for, for them at the, at the year. But then also we've got the number 10s as well, which we do lack. And there's two players that I've mentioned, uh, which, which I'm going to mention here, which I'd like to hear thoughts on, but John Taral, at, um, he's at Hull. Uh, but he's also he obviously was at Brentford at for a period as well, and then also uh, Fares Bahuli, um, of like SC Leon. Um, if you haven't heard of him, I would recommend you, you give him a little search. He's very very bright, intelligent football. He's twenty three year old, I think. Um, look, he, he's 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 a freebie, and he's he's starting to really progress um, as a young player. But I think we do need that experienced number ten in there. Um, but I couldn't think of any names top of my head. Uh, maybe Lee Tomlin, who knows? Um, but on the left-hand side, I went with Jordan Pansil from Genk, um, Marcus Brown and Jordan Jones from Rangers. Um, oh, yeah, I've got another centre-back, by the way, was Carlos Coesta from Genk as well. Um, but then the four, there's, uh, there's five strikers which I've named. Walker's one of them, which we think, I think we'll probably get on loan. We've got Britt there, we've got Fletcher. Which, if we can try and get a new deal for Fletcher, great. But if we can, if we have, might have to sell Britt. Um, just in terms of wage packet. But I've went with two strikers. One we've already been linked with, Keith Amua at Wigan, but also I went with Chris Martin as well, um, the lead singer of Coldplay. I think he's... Uh... <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that. As soon as you like, grinned at me there, I thought he's going to say the Coldplay <laughs> reference. Um, no, I think, look, experience, David Nugent-esque uh, signing, I think he would do the business. Um, if we had three strikers of Britt, Fletcher and Chris Martin... That is so like that's good. You got the experience, you got your goal striker, uh, your, striker your goal scorer with with <laughs> Britt, and also Fletcher as well. But in terms of all those names I've mentioned, out the seventeen I've mentioned, a fee you would pay for is six of them. The mm. the frees you would get, um, you got John Nive, John uh, John Terrell, Faraz Bahuli, uh, Corey Smith, Alex Garcia, Richie Smallwood, John Nabita, uh, Nabi. I think maybe Sars free, I think, on his contract. Um, Sol Bamba's actually a free as well, if you weren't interested in that. Uh, Danny Ward, Chris Martin, and uh, Carlos Quest has come to the end of his contract too. Um, but see what I mean? There's so many signings yeah. which you can look at. Norm Borough, though, will probably pay £12 million for, I don't know, Billingham Town striker called Chris Dickinson or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like, uh, it's just nuts, man. But recruitment's a massive thing. For what? Let's 
come, let's try and bring things to a close. We've got a great question from your gaffer, Jimmy Leesells. He says, best player, worst player, biggest letdown, and a must for next season. Who are your picks? Um, so I'd say best, I'd say would be consistently Housen. Um, yeah. But there's definitely shouts for Coles and Spence, Fletch and Britt this season. Um, they've all played very important parts um, in our, our wins this season and, and really progressed. Um, I think probably consistently Housen. Um, the worst... Honestly, it's a it's a big trade off between Gusted and Nemecha. Um I, I really, I, you know, Gusted for some reason seemed to get plaudits because he scored that one goal, um, which was no red kick. And I mean, <laughs> he did play well for a couple of good games. I'll give him that. He scored two, uh, didn't he? he scored two, yeah. Uh, Knocking the ball to Rudy, held it up well. Hey, oh I? god, don't don't. I ruin mean, he's gone now, so don't ruin my day. I remember when he scored that goal, and I started seeing a comment on Facebook that said, "Now Rudy's firing on all cylinders again." Um, How many cylinders does he have? Zero point one. So yeah, I'll go in a matcher then. Seeing as I use both love Rudy now, and I'm the one that hates him. Hey, I didn't say anything. Didn't say about love well, Rudy. I- <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let downs. I'll probably go with Dale Fry. Maybe Marcus mm. Brown. Marcus Brown obviously only had the, the first half of the season, but Dale Fry. Obviously, I think we all thought. You know, we've got a, a sure rim player of, um, you know, he's going to go out to massive things and we could sell him on for £15 million at Burnley. Um, but I think this season it hasn't quite progressed. And I, I think we, when we've talked about him in isolation, it's um, it, I think it could be coached again into him. I think he's, he, the, the full team's had a poor season overall, so I wouldn't put it down just to his performances as one. Um, and then must for next season, I think, out of the current squad, I think Etcher or Tav. Um, yeah. I think Fletcher cannot be overlooked, and I think um, uh, Yusuf managed uh, mentioned it. Sorry, in in one of our um, questions, in about Fletcher's contribution, I think eleven goals was it, and seven assists. You know, in we were the lowest scorers in the championship, and he's contributed there eighteen out of the forty nine goals, which is just just lower than half. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. can't be overlooked. Well, twenty two goals from your front two this year, not bad return, mm, not I guess. Bad at all, no. But go on, Dana. I'll agree with um, Elliot's best player and worst player. For me, the biggest letdown, I think, has been Lewis Wing. Um, yeah. Just from the beginning of the season, it didn't look like he really suited the player that Borough were trying to play, at least. I know we had that high press for like the first game and a half, and then it disappeared after the second half at Brentford. Um, but at times, he looks like he's lost on the pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Casual, average wingy. <laughs> no banger. <laughs> Um, but that game against, uh, was it Hull that he came on and he tried two or three Hollywood balls that just were intercepted almost immediately? Um, I think that sums up his season. He's 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 not impressed me at all, and especially because of last season um, under Pulis where I think he we utilised his strengths a little bit more. Um, I think he's been a, a letdown for me. Hmm. Um, and must for next season, I'd say Britt or Fletcher. Britt or Fletcher. Okay, fair enough. My best player, I think I'm going to go with Ashley Fletcher. Um, second... Uh, Johnny Housen, I think Fletcher's been brilliant this year. Uh, really, even though he's had a few bad misses, he's really came. I think he's getting better and he's better. He's massively improved, hasn't yeah, he? He's getting yeah. better and better. Um, worst player, uh, Lucas Nemecha, probably, I'm going to say, or Rudy Gisted. Um, or even Mark Baller. Um, actually, no, biggest letdown was Mark Baller. Really upset you, about yeah, Mark Baller. Yeah, you were really. Uh, I was excited about Mark Baller yeah, because about his him, pedigree, yeah. he came through with like Arsenal, you know, he had a really good season with Blackburn. I thought, hey. Not Blackpool, Blackpool, sorry, Blackpool. Blackpool. <laughs> I was like, you know what, he could be all right here. Um, nah. um, but you never know, season, age, you know, everything like that, it could, could improve. But most of the next season, Max Tavernier, absolutely brilliant last couple of last few games. 
Um, I think we need to build a team around him, I think, if if we want to keep him or let him go, whatever we want to do. Um, but final question, um, Tom Muldowney says, what represents success for you guys next season? Progress. That's what I wanted to see this season. Um, I want to see Borough lay down the foundations, um, what we should have done about 12 months ago um, or 11 months ago. Um, I just want to see us progress. I want to see us develop. I want to see Borough become a team. Um, I want the defence to be more watertight. I think we've had a really leaky defence this season. Um, I want to see more creativity and more goals scored. So I just want to see an overall improvement, both on an individual basis from players and as a collective. I don't really care about league position as long as we're above that dotted line at the at the bottom of the championship and we're not having another season like we have this season. Um, I just want to see us do better mm. than this season. That's yeah. That's all I want to see. Yeah, I think I think success next season needs to be sort of measured intangibly, doesn't it? Um, and what we sort of mean by that is, you know, are we making the right moves forward? I think most sort of well-invested fans with, with Borough know when there's kind of a good feeling around the club and when there's a bad feeling and, and there's definitely been a, a toxic atmosphere the past year or two. Um, and it doesn't even mean necessarily finishing sort of... Um, high up I think if we if we've been competitive and we play good football pick up some good results away home and away um, fans will sense that there's a better atmosphere and confidence will go from there but I think in terms of finishing positions you know a top half finish would represent success to me I think after the sort of atrocities of this season we've seen how incredibly tight it can be between you know, 18th and, and 11th and a couple mm. of wins can, you know, we we were thinking after Christmas, oh, you know, can we push on and get the top half? And obviously it went drastically wrong after that. But, um, you know, if we can get out of that sort of malaise, that middle pack um, of what's been this season of Blackburns and Reddings and, and all of that, and we can maybe get up in in sort of the top 12, I think it'll be a successful season for us. Yeah. Um, look, my, mine's a little bit different. I think success for me is obviously seeing that progress. What you mentioned, Dana, top half finish would also be another one. And I think this is a, I'm going to sound crazy, but I think it's a really good time for Bora fans to be optimistic. And the reason why I say it is that, yes, we've got players going. We, we can also have players coming in too. Um, but if I was in charge, I'd be looking off off the pitch as well as on it. I think improve your data analysis team, give Warnock or give the incoming manager a much, so much data that they know what to do do with and really clear data about each individual team, what strengths and weaknesses are. Um, in, and obviously not, it's not about creating like 8 to 10, 20 pitch losses like Marcel Elbielsa does. And that's a bit a bit abnormal. But give, just, just the right data though, isn't the, it? The right, mm. the right data, not just about other teams, but about players which you, you're currently looking at who you want to sign in maybe like one or two years. I think yeah. Dortmund, what a brilliant art, they, they get one player and they just focus on that one player for about a good season like Jude Bellingham rest in pieces with 22 shirt um <laughs> but it's like you know what i mean it's just like it's a one player after so many seasons that you know they really try and build a team that sort of fits quite well um but i think you need to give him the opportunity there obviously invest in data and also your recruitment team again get someone in that helps gibson out and advise them on the football inside of things and install a culture which is going to be there for 10 years 10 20 30 years um Standard in terms of, like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, open, frank conversations, honesty, determination, and try and outwork the opposition. Like, I think the one big thing for me next year, the one progress where it's tangible, we have to outrun every single team. And it's not being like stupid and saying, I'm just going to do laps of the pitch. I mean, it's like, if you can't, if you don't have the quality there, 
at least outwork them to make sure it's really difficult for a team to to get the points. Um, but that's how I would define success. But this is a really mm. good opportunity, I think, next season for us. But go on then, final question, podcast highlight. Mine is when you said, where's Jed Spence? And then it started this just the emergence of Jed Spence from absolutely nowhere. And then obviously the Manjaro talk. Um, and as well, actually, it was this season, I think, when we interviewed Dimmy. Dimmy, yeah. Yeah, it was still this season. I think that was that was brilliant to to have somebody sit where you were sat, Johnny, that was, um, you know, a part of that team that I absolutely love um, and be a big part of history because, you know, that clean sheet history re- uh, record, uh, clean sheet record, sorry, um, that was unbelievable. And um, I never thought I would uh, I would interview a Borough player. So and there we are. That's a, a fantastic thing this season. Yeah, we do struggle with guests, obviously, with contracts and stuff. But, yeah, having mm-hmm. Demion was unbelievable. Go on, then, Els, your podcast highlight. Um, I think I'd probably have to say 2003. Um, if Dana, if Dana didn't say <laughs> that, that I don't know. Season? I don't know what it I'd was. Have yeah, the 2003 is, is also a juicy one. I think podcast out the year. Wow, we've done so much this year. Um, it's obviously we're coming back in like a couple of weeks, but it's the aspect of we got a board on the side of the pitch saying Jed scores one to Manjaro's. Oh, yes, I forgot about that. Um, being on the pitch and your dad Dennison, give him uh, give it to him, Paddy. Give it to him, Paddy. You know, we, we turned a, into a hooligans belter. in that moment. Um, you know, having Davey say 3-1 every week has been a belter. Um, we've just done so much this year. I think it, podcast highlight, I think. Yeah, I, I do like the Jed Spence one, but 2003. It beats every time. That was from that... Uh, really, Dil- it really does. It's superb. Wasn't that from that Dill Fly podcast, which is Dil by Fly far podcast. our funniest podcast? Because you two were talking about um, Palmos in a bun for a good minute. Trying to see like which uh, van sells the best palm oil in yeah. a bun, and then we never did that, did we? Dale Fly. No, no. I, I've had, I've got quite a few palm oil in a bun pitches, um, <laughs> yeah. but we never got round to that sort of point. Now let's put it out there. But anyway, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Oh, quick guys, use any use horny for warning anyone? Anyone? Mm. Actually, you're horny for warning. Yeah, that's a great tweet. We should put out. There's, been some, there's been so many so many good tweets maybe yeah. we should put it to the followers I think we should yeah. put it to our followers yeah, tweet, tweet I, I'm a, I think I'm kind of against the grain but if it happens I'm, I'm not going to be sort of too mad about it I can understand the reasonings for it but yeah I think it seems like a logical choice at the yeah. moment I hope it happens so I've got a video prepped for it already um, <laughs> so that's pretty much it guys um, if you listen to the podcast apps and you listen to Apple Podcasts give us five star written on the podcast apps and leave us a comment on there we'll read it out on the pod next season, um, which is going to be in a few weeks' time. And if you haven't followed followed us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, um, give us a follow on there. Um, we just absolutely love you guys and, and engaging with you as well. But this has been the Bora Breakdown podcast. This 2019-2020 season has came to a close. Uh, my name is Johnny. I'm with Dana and Elliot. That was all of your match day uh, chatter in a pod up the Bora Breakdown want support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the area. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Abanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.